This is Liberty Talk, brought to you by the Wyoming Liberty Group. In each episode, our goal is to supply you with up-to-date information surrounding Wyoming's most important policy issues. Well, welcome to the Wyoming Liberty Group. My name is Evan Blauser. I'm a policy analyst here, and today I'm joined by Philip Barron, who is another policy analyst. And Philip, give me a, give me a scoop on what we're talking about today. It's great to be here today, Evan. So today we're going to be talking about Medicaid funding in special education in the state of Wyoming. Right. So give me an idea of what's happening right now with Medicaid funding. So right now the state of Wyoming does not take uh, Medicaid funding for special education. It's all funded through the state and through federal funding uh, in the IDEA Act. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So why does Wyoming not participate in this program? My understanding is that there are a lot of other states out there that are doing this. Um, in fact, I think that Wyoming might be one of the only outliers that has not uh, funded special education this way. Is that correct? Yeah, Wyoming, Wyoming is the only state that doesn't accept this funding. Other states uh, started accepting this due to a change in federal law in the 80s. Uh, and one of the reasons might be... Um, Wyoming has retained more control over their special education system. And then Wyoming is also, at least in the past, has been able to fund special education at a higher rate than other states may have been able to. So they they haven't had a need to take this funding. Right, right. So it's been said that this is somehow not an expansion of Medicaid, that you know, it's it's actually expanding Medicaid's uh, scope of practice. That you know, this is just expanding how uh, how much Medicaid people can actually access. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that'd be accurate. So this a a true Medicaid expansion would be an expansion to a a bigger population. This will still be the same population of of people who's eligible for Medicaid in Wyoming. It's just the services will. They'll be offered through the the school during during school time hours, correct? Yes. So, yes. so another thing that um, that I think should be articulated um, explicitly is that you know just as you said, no one else is signing up for Medicaid. So you know traditional Medicaid expansion is you can be uh, making one hundred thirty eight percent of the federal poverty level. That's where most states have cut it off. And you can actually access Medicaid uh, services, correct? So uh, what this is, is this is just allowing uh, children who are already covered under Medicaid to have access to those services while they go to school, right? Y- yes, correct. If, okay. if the school has the, re- the resources to provide them. So this will, this will be a kid who's in special education that has a medical need, and then the school can provide can provide that care and then reimburse those services through Medicaid. Now in Wyoming, this, the kid, a kid who needs certain medical, medical care in a special, special education program is receiving that as needed so they can get, they can function in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's just not being reimbursed through Medicaid. So what this would change, this would change it from an educational necessity is that you need a certain service so you can participate in the classroom right to a medical necessity of you know because this is billable under Medicaid 
we're going to provide you the service in school. Sure, sure. So do you share my concern over this being a gateway for fur- further regulation in the classroom? I mean, can't we just leave uh, nurses and school counselors? Aren't they doing a, a good enough job already? Yeah, I, I believe so. So this would be not 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 for the regulation in the classroom in general, but for the regulation within within special ed. So a smaller smaller subset of of education in Wyoming, and the further regulation would be the, the in order for the school district to be able to reimburse the medical services through Medicaid, they're going to have to comply with uh, this the standards of CMS, the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, they're going to have to comply with their requirements instead of the state of Wyoming, Wyoming's requirements to uh, provide the services. Okay. So let's talk about the licensing that, that these people would have to go through. So one of the concerns that I've heard, at least, is that these school nurses, these school counselors, you know, psychiatrists, what, whatever they are, they have already spent a great deal of time and effort becoming licensed or becoming an expert in their field, right? You go to school to become a a school nurse, you go to school to become a school counselor, everything like that. All of a sudden, if if this uh, law gets enacted, am I going to have to get new licensing for something that I've been doing for 15, 20 years? Uh, Possibly. So so one thing that will have to happen is... So each each state implicant imp, implements Medicaid differently mm-hmm. under a under the the state's laws. Uh, so Wyoming, in order to to take this funding, is going to have to uh, amend their current law, but they have to approve it with CMS Centers for Medicaid and Medicare. So they will have to meet the CMS standards for uh, professional licensing of the people providing these services. Now the 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 two issues I understand with licensing, biggest issues, a lot of these services in special ed are provided by a paraprofessional who is, so para, all paraprofessional is is somebody who's allowed to do a little bit of what a professional does, but they're not, they're not completely licensed. They're not licensed professionally. So they may be providing, helping somebody out with uh, physical therapy exercises, occupational therapy, those things that they're trained to to work with one person, but they're not a medical professional. So those people, may, the, the school district may not be allowed to reimburse their services under under this program, or they may not be able to get full reimbursement because they're not a fully they're not a medical professional. The other big issue is with so school uh, psychologists are generally licensed by the Professional Teaching Standards Board in Wyoming and not they're not a licensed medical professional. They're not a, a medical um, clinical psychologist. So there's there's some questions there of how they, they would have to meet CMS's standards for these things, and most likely there would have to be a change in licensure to get full full reimbursement. Right, right. So let's talk about where the Wyoming Liberty Group stands on this, right? So you went to an education committee meeting, the uh, the interim committee, uh, committee meeting. Uh, you took diligent notes. You know, you're the one who has been really following this. So where are we at? Where what 
what is the Wyoming Liberty Group going to recommend to the legislature to make sure that we have the best outcome for Wyoming? So Wyoming Liberty Group will recommend that Wyoming does not go forward and implement uh, Medicaid reimbursement in public schools for the reason that it's, it's more interference in a system that's... So school districts in Wyoming are, for the most, <clears throat> most part, locally controlled under a school board. Mm-hmm. So they have a certain amount of say at the local level what they get to do, and then they are funded at the state level, and there is a certain level of state oversight. So this would add another another layer to that, in at least in special ed. Now special ed does receive federal funding, but it's not uh, it's not as restricted as this would be, and it's not not as complex to implement. So this is a very very specific program that will be implemented would allow would have more federal control and possibly create more more headache. Sure. So it sounds to me like if I had to sum that up for uh, you know an elevator pitch or something like that, you could just say that this is further uh, government intervention in the classroom and in parts of the classroom that you wouldn't even consider before. So when your child goes to see the school counselor when they have a bullying problem or something like that, there's going to be a whole mess of red tape before your child actually can go and see the counselor, right? It's it's adding a whole new level of bureaucracy to the, the school and to the way that your child actually interacts with professionals at that school. Well, okay, so th- this is where it gets, gets complicated. It's, this is not going to affect every student. This will only affect students in a special education program who are eligible for Medicaid services. This may, I mean, this will this will probably at large impact other students that interact with these professionals because they're going to have to comply to new standards. But first, first and foremost, it'll impact the students who are eligible for the services. The other, the other big problem with this, and one of the concerns that was brought up by the, the people who re- researched this, who came in and presented at the interim education meeting, the consultants who researched the the issue and how it would be implemented is that the schools, again, might not be adequate, you know, adequately staffed with licensed people. They might not have the necessary equipment. So what what we're doing is turning special ed, they would into a more, they'd have a more medically focused role and they become a healthcare provider instead of an education provider. Right. So that, it, it adds complications. Right. So I work in healthcare. So, you know, when we're considering a law or a bill that's that's coming up before the legislature, one thing that I ask myself is what is actually happening as a result of the law? So are we able to provide better access to higher quality healthcare as a result of this law? You know, there was a Medicaid study bill that I think totally missed the mark and you know we came out against that so it sounds like the same question could be asked of education what is the end result of putting uh, Medicaid reimbursement of actually implementing that and ask yourself as a parent how is my child who is in special education how are they going to be better uh, served through this this program right so let's finish with this Let's, so if, if I were a parent of a special education uh, student, right, 
how would you pitch the idea of not having Medicaid reimbursement for my child? So, so we're assuming your your child is also eligible for Medicaid in in general, right? Because that uh, how would I how would I pitch it? So, first off, there your child can still get Medicaid services outside of school. Right. And I would pitch it as the schools are not, they're not a healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now it looks like the problem is most, the people that are not qualified, they may not have the, so they may not have the licensed staff, they may not have the equipment. They're not a healthcare provider. You're trying to, you make make the school do something they were not intended to do in the first place. And you, you do have options outside of school where you can still go, you can still get these services through Medicaid. Now, if you're a parent who has a child in special education, and of course they're not eligible for Medicaid, this, because you're changing the services, medical services they provide from educational necessity to medical necessity, you, it is possible you may see more students in a special education program because they can get these services provided through mm-hmm. the schools. So it is a possibility it may bog down the special education system by losing its focus from going from not, you know, providing, we're basically they're providing medical services to assist that student so they can be educated, they can function in the classroom, they can, you know, operate, function as well as possible on a day-to-day basis. Um, so this would, you know, possibly go beyond beyond that original intent and scope of a special education program. Where now you have students who really do not have learning disabilities or fit and do not need to be in special ed. But they're sure. there and they're, the staff will now have more responsibilities. Sure. If that makes sense. Sure, yeah. Well, it wasn't quite an elevator pitch, but it, it, it was convincing. I know what you, were, uh, what you were going for. Well, you know, it, it sounds like this is just more bureaucracy coming into the classroom for a very specific amount of people. And I think that's the idea that I want to leave the listeners with. So if there's anything else that you'd like to add before we go, go ahead. I There's a lot of questions over, again, how this will be implemented because it'll create, it'll create problems with um, billing, essentially. Mm-hmm. So either the school districts are going to bill individually for the services or they'll submit them all to the Department of Ed. So right now what happens with special ed is the... Uh, the school districts reimbursed one year later for special education services. Now that I mean, there's there's other complications in this whole mix of so it's it's partially federally funded already through the IDEA Act, and then there's uh, Title One funding for uh, needy children essentially. So these these have been around since the 80s. So it, it adds to the complications of how a program like you know special education is funded. To begin with, it'd probably mean more more staff to deal with the billing, more sure. head, more headache, more to keep track of. Sure, sure. All right, well, the government always gives me a headache, so. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for uh, tuning in. That was Philip Barron, and I'm Evan Blauser, and we're coming to you from the Wyoming Liberty Group. Mm-hmm.